Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, Associate Pastor Ron King is talking about finishing well. The end of David's life raises two critical questions that the Apostle Paul writes about in his letters to Timothy, and they are questions that we seldom consider well. Number one, how do I want to finish my race? And two, how can I help others run well to the end? And today, we have a panel of friends who will help us explore these questions. Now, here's today's message. So it sounded like you had a great Christmas. I hope you did. Uh, happy almost New Year, some of you. Uh, how many actually going to stay up late? Okay, about a third of us. The rest of us are going to blow it off, get to bed early, enjoy it. Okay, whatever. Um, so this morning, I, you know, I was, what sparked my ideas about this morning was I was reading again through the scriptures and I was thinking about the end of David's life. And I don't know, we've, we've been in this great series. Thank you very much, Josh. Um, encouraging series. have been challenged have to kind of rethink that. And there's a lot of things about David's life that are great. Like the start, it starts so good, doesn't it? Samuel comes and we're taught, man, God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. And you're thinking, man, it's such a great lesson for me in the way that I think about life. And then it follows up with the whole Goliath thing. You know, where David is a man of faith and he embraces God and he shows up all the older people, like, and he steps in and he's victorious. And there's a long list, actually, of David's great accomplishments that, that he ruled as a king for 40 years. And he brought great wealth and great victories. And think about this, like all the Psalms that David wrote, all the ways even from you know, thousands of years, he's affected people's worship by what came out of him and how he wrote it down and how he inspired God's people to, to approach the Lord. And there's so many good things about his life. And then you think about how things in the middle, like he struggled with some sin and he brought it to, like, I love Psalm 51, where he just brought in confession before the Lord. And that's a public Psalm. Like he poured out his sin in front of the, the entire nation and he owned it and he confessed it before the Lord. His repentance was powerful. There's a lot of amazing things that happen in David's life. And so I started thinking about the end of his life. And there are uh, several different accounts of that in scripture, right? The first one comes to us in First Chronicles and it's got a pretty rosy picture of the last days of David's life. Uh, So the chronicler was someone to kind of help us learn from the histories, spiritual lessons that will help us move forward in our own faith. And and so he just, he talks about some good things. And he he writes actually, at the end of David's life, they had this big offering because they're going to build a temple. David wasn't, but he was going to pass that on to his son Solomon. And so he calls the whole nation to come before the Lord and, and pour out their resources. And it's an amazing thing. The nation comes before God. A people that had not had that kind of relationship before David was king. And they offer this overwhelming worship to God that's going to build this amazing temple. And it's, it's like, uh, it's stunning what happens. And in that context, David blesses the Lord. He stands up in front of everybody there and David said, this is uh, 1 Chronicles 29. 
And he says, starting in verse 10, Therefore David blessed, um, blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you were exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand are the power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Like, that's crazy great worship, right? And he's leading everybody to that kind of worship. And the chronicler then tells the story and praying and then offering that. And then he passes it on to his son and he dies. And you're like, that is a great ending. Have you seen people in your life who have ended well? And you're like, man, I want to do that. I interviewed at a church many years ago and uh, it was a large church and I was a youth pastor at the time, and my friend said, hey, you need to, you need to, um, I know you're struggling with where you're at, and you need to think about the transition, and, and I'm leaving to go be a missionary. Would you like, consider being a youth pastor here? And I said, well, yeah, I, I guess so. And so um, the next day, I get a phone call from this senior pastor at this large church, and he says, hey, I, I hear you're interested. I'm like, Wow, I, I, you know, and, uh, and Sue and I are like, well, well what, what's God doing? And um, he goes, I'd like to have, set up an interview with you. Can you come this Thursday? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I walk in the office and I'm, I'm thinking about all these things. It was a great church and a great ministry that Sue and I got to be a part of for over a decade. And um, yeah, so I walk into his office and this is a guy who had been there for 25 years at this church. And he had this great legacy. He grew this church from a smaller church to a church now. It's about 3,500. It's a large church. And he's, a, he's not like a showy guy. He's just, he's a guy who just loves the word and he's faithful where he was. And I walk in and I say, well, you know, I'm asking questions. I'm like, hey, give me your five-year plan. And he said, Ron, I just got a diagnosis from the doctor that I have multiple myeloma. Nobody else really knows about it except my wife. And uh, the longest anyone's ever lived is four and a half years at this point with all the treatment they can do. And uh, my five-year plan is to be faithful. And to be faithful to the Lord and to go out well. That's what I want to do. And that's exactly what Doc did. At the end of his life, four and a half years later, like the week before he's preaching... (laughs) It's still in the pulpit. He can barely walk up to the pulpit, you know, but he's preaching. And our church just loved this guy, and he was faithful to Jesus. They had a memorial service for him, and 5,000 people show up. It was massive. And it's like, wow, like that's finishing well. I, I want to finish, just be faithful and use the gifts that God has given me. That's how I want to finish. So Chronicles sounds like David finished pretty well. And then there's another account of David's life and his his ending. It's found in 2 Samuel. Um, 2 Samuel, actually in chapter 22, is this wonderful psalm that David writes. And then he gives his last public words. You find it in 20, chapter 23 of 2 Samuel. And it starts out really great. It's, it says this in verse 2, the spirit of the Lord speak, um, speaks by me His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The flock of Israel said to me, 
the one who rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God. And he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand with God? Well, that's a great question, actually, because if you know a little about the history of David, his house had a struggle standing with the Lord, right? And he struggled. But his extended family... That's a different story. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? Extended families and people that struggled or to walk with the Lord. And that was David's story at the end of his life. I mean, one of his sons had just risen up against him. And he's walking away from the Lord and he loses his life. And, and, and at the end of David's statements, his public statements, he says, yeah, and the wicked people, they're going to get theirs. And that's the end of his public statements. You're like... What? I, that's a little odd, but it gets worse. So turn to 1 Kings, if you have your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 1. Now, I, I told Josh I wouldn't go into this first story. Um, and I don't know that it's really helpful to talk about the first story. But there's a, there is a first story that seems odd. Actually, the weirdest thing about this story is uh, that that the author of 1 Kings would write this, begin his book this way. <laughs> I was telling Gary that, like, why would someone begin the book by the story of this king, who's now David, who's old, and they, they, do, a, they, they do a hunt around the, the nation to find a beautiful young girl, and she's got to go to bed with him. Why does someone start a book like that in scripture about that? Like, that's odd, right? It does say that they, they didn't have relations, but it just seems weird. Anyway... Um, so then you get this story, like 1 Kings is going to get a little bit different than Chronicles, for, like, and Samuel too, and there's something strange going on in his life, and then we hear the story like as it, 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 it winds itself out in 1 Kings, it's a different thing that happens, and in chapter 2 are his last words, David's last words. He brings his son Solomon in. And these are, if you remember a little bit about your history, as some of you read all the way through scripture, right? They were with us. You know, like in the patriarchs, there was often a blessing. The, the dad would bring in the, the son and he would give him uh, this sacred blessing. And that's, that's what he does in chapter two. And as he's talking about his blessing, as he's giving his blessing, it starts out really great. You can read it yourself this week. But he's having this final conversation. Um, and it's inspiring. He's given wisdom. And then he gives him some counsel about how to navigate some of the politics of the day. And at the end of his statements in chapter 2 of 1 Kings, he says, um, well, I have to explain the background story. Act 1 of this background story. Um, when Absalom, David's son, rose up against him, toward the end of David's reign. And, uh, and Absalom, you know, undercut, betrayed his dad, and gathered a force, and David's got to flee. He's got to flee from his reign, and his son has betrayed him. And he's running away, a broken man, with some of his troops. And this guy comes out on, on the road, who was part of the house of Saul that he replaced, who's living with a lot of bitterness and anger. And the guy starts cussing at him, 
cursing him and throwing stuff at him, at the king, at David. And one of David's guys turns to David and says, hey, you want, him, want me to take him out? And David, David at this point is a broken man and he's like, oh, he just, they leave. This guy's name is Shammai. And uh, as it turns out, Absalom's rebellion fails. Absalom is killed and David comes back and Shammai is thinking, now I'm toast. Like, like I, I shouldn't have done that. And so he runs up to David as he's entering back into Israel and he gets on his knees and he just begs for forgiveness. And another one of David's guys says, hey, you want me to take him out? <laughs> like, let's let this get, this is the guy who was cussing at us, who was throwing stuff at us. We didn't get him back. Let's do something. And David's like, no, we're not going to, we're going to leave him alone. And you think, oh, at this point, at the end of David's life, he's learned what generosity and forgiveness is like. This is good. Like, he has known that he's sinned and failed God at many times. And so at the end of his life, now he's a man of, of just mercy and forgiveness. Wouldn't you want to be like that, right? Someone who has wronged you, you could just let it go because they're more important things. And so you get this picture of David like, oh, that's great. Now, in Kings, he's telling his story and he's given instruction to Solomon. And at the end of his words, his final words before he dies, he tells Solomon, and remember that guy, Shammai? Take him out. Like, kill him. You're like, and then he dies. And that's the end of the story as King writes it. And you're like, wait a second. Like, I thought he was a man of grace and forgiveness. He's still got bitterness and resentment. And that's how he goes out. That's how he dies. That's not right. Like something, does, that's not good, right? None of us want to end that, that way. And I step back and look at David's life and I'm like, God, there's something about that that just doesn't sit right. Hopefully for you. Like, We'd rather be like people who end well. And in scripture, there's all kinds of people who don't end so well. Like there's a lot of them, a long list of people who don't end well. But there are some people that, that do end well. Stephen, he ended really well, even though it was difficult. And almost all the disciples, except for Judas, okay, he didn't end well. But there's a long list of them. And I love the story of when Jesus is being dedicated and going to the temple and there's Anna and Simeon, Luke chapter 2. These people had waited and been faithful, Scripture said, they had until, the, until their old age. And finally, Jesus comes in the temple. The Messiah is there and they'd been praying for it, been faithful to the Lord. They've been worshiping him. And it's good. They're like, okay, we're good now. Those people finished really well. And of course, the story of Paul, Right? The Apostle Paul, who we're told in Scripture, that was what was on his heart. What he really wanted was to know how to finish well, to run the race to the very end. So I've been asking myself, like, how do I finish well? How do we finish well? In Acts chapter 20, starting verse 22, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And now he's talking to the church in Ephesus. Behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Ultimately, he would die and lose his life. But I do not account my life 
of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. If only I could make him known. If, if only I could live well to the very end. Paul later writes to Timothy from prison. He says, I've finished the course. I've run the race. I've been faithful to the end. Like, yeah, that's the kind of people we want to be. So I've been thinking, like, not only do I want to finish the race, but some of us, we have the wrong thought about our faith and about our lives. As Christians, we're not so much individual runners. We're playing a team sport, like basketball or baseball or football. And that means that we rely on one another. It takes all of us to finish the race. We're not just doing it by ourselves. And there is a body of people here, great friends and family, and some of you who have come from out of town, you're with us. Thank you for being with us. Welcome. But all of us are committed, hopefully, who are followers of Jesus, to not only run well, but to do this as a team, to help each other run the race to the very end. So when I was in my teens and my 20s, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about, hey, how am I going to help people around me finish well, my grandparents be faithful to the end, or, or other people that I know in my church? And when I started getting a little bit more mature, I started seeing other people and some people in our church that did not finish well. They left the Lord, they were unfaithful or whatever, and some people that were, and I wanted to be like them. But I didn't know, how is it that we can all be part of this, helping each other finish the race really well? Like many of you, I lost friends when I was in high school. I lost one friend who was a believer but walked away from the Lord. He didn't finish well. And in my 20s, I saw friends who went to be with Jesus, but uh, I'm not sure if they finished very well. Now that I'm in my 60s, I see it a lot more, and I've been along with people doing memorial services, and I've seen some people like who've been super faithful and have been super inspiring, and some people who have not, who have struggled and it's affected all their family. This morning, we're going to dive into that. Like, what does that take? And I'm inviting some people to join me in conversation about that. So if I've nabbed you already, I want you to come on up. And we're going to, I'm going to have you welcome um, three people. Bryce Cleary, who is a medical doctor with us and part of our fellowship. And uh, I thought it'd be really helpful for someone who has seen a lot of it himself firsthand. And Mel, and you're looking at poor Mel, who broke her arm this week. And um, I told her, sorry, you already committed the panel. You got to be here. Suck it up. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Um, oh, hey, Mel, can, uh, how are you doing? Does that chair work for you? Is Jim in the yeah. yeah. And um, sorry about that. And uh, some of you know my dad, who uh, this is Jim. And Mel, um, the reason I invited Mel is because Mel not only has been wonderful to care for so many people in our fellowship and walk alongside families that have been struggling, but um, this week she's doing that with Jack's dad. 
Yeah, and it's been a process. So Jack's, if you don't know, her husband Jack, um, his dad, dad's in the hospital. He knows Jesus, but he's at the end of his days. And uh, my dad, who's got some time left, at least today anyway, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I want to begin by asking a question of you guys. And feel free to pop into this and, and respond, whoever like to jump in. But um, <clears throat> Yeah, you've all walked alongside some people who've been faithful, some people who have not, and who've gone on to be with the Lord. And what stands out in those experiences, the people that actually, I want to start this way, positively, right, Um, that have done it well? Like, what stands out to you, the people that have finished well? Anybody can jump in there. Yeah. I think uh, what stands out to me is that on... Is that on? Okay, great. Go ahead. Uh, is that they have a real peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, a real good friend the, um, in Fremont, and mm-hmm. Ken went to be with the Lord, and Ron and I went to visit him just a couple days before he died. There you go. And um, and he had a. Uh, he always had a peace in towards the end of life, and he finished well. Mm. Um, he, you know, he led a, a, a group Bible study, um, and he was. Um, he always had a track in his hand. He's always looking for the next person he yes. can tell Jesus about. He, I don't think he yeah. ever met anyone that he didn't give a track to. Yeah, <laughs> I, there's a funny story actually. Real quickly, this is totally off the t- script, but. Um, Dad and I visited Ken, uh, who we loved, and he had a sense of humor. And he'd been in the hospital. It looked like he wasn't going to um, make it long at all. So it was a Christmas Eve, and we went racing over. He was in Sacramento, so we had to drive quite a ways to get there. And we got into the hospital, and he had not been communicating for um, maybe 12 or 12 hours or more, quite a while. He hadn't been able to say anything. And he was just sleeping. We walked in. His family's around him. And Dad and I walked in. And this is Ken. He, he looks up. And he looks at me. And he goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. He was always teasing. It was a great thing, you know. Um, but we spent time with him. And sure enough, like, he inspired his whole family to follow Jesus. Because Ken ended well, yeah. Somebody else, like, yeah, Bryce. I think what a testimony it can be for their family and you know we all we all deal with death differently and everybody has a different death but mm. when you see someone who loves the lord and they and they spend the last time really helping their family realize that they're heading to better things is just an incredible testimony and can really help uh family members who are struggling with their walk mm. Malkin, yeah um, Jack's dad is 89 years old, and he's had a very up-and-down life spiritually. He accepted Christ when Jack was five. His dad was only 26. Um, Jack was at church when dad walked forward. But then after 36 years of marriage, he ended the marriage, which was really difficult for all of us. Um, now that he, he's been in the hospital for nearly six weeks, um, trying to 
find a place to move him to. He just he's deteriorating. He's being treated as if he's on hospice. When he first started this process, he was angry and crotchety and yelling at people and wanted to go home, just wanted to go home. And in the last three, four weeks, he has really pretty much calmed down. And he, some days when Jack's up there with him, he prays constantly. And he remembers, he's very confused, but he knows who he is. He knows who everybody is. And he prays for his family. He prays for his sons. Mm. And he just, the last couple weeks, it's, Lord, I want to go home. And he's he's finishing well. It's it's hard to watch, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's sweet mm-hmm. um, because this man who I've been mad at more than once, um, <laughs> he's he's finishing well. Mm. Yeah. You know um, that kind of sparks another thought in me about you know seeing people at the end of their lives. Um, we don't know when our lives are going to end. Jesus might come right away. That'd be great. Um, and like I was teasing with Josh, maybe uh, we won't have like a long ramp of warning. Sometimes it happens suddenly. So that could well be the case. But um, I was just, you know, I'm thinking about the last stages of life, especially for those of us who get older. And um, life is hard. Like, all of a sudden, it gets more and more challenging. And if you've talked with anybody in that stage of life, you know that um, they often will say, I couldn't have done this with my faith in my 20s, what my faith was like in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s because of all the challenges they're now facing and grappling with and the loss of all kinds of different things, their capacity physically and the the emotional challenges and all the things that are packed into that stage of life. So I'm going to ask you guys, uh, what are some of the things that we can do as brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside people in that stage and, um, yeah, to help them finish? Well, I think um, I had a lecture when I was in residency, and it was crazy because it was an internist, and we were learning how to take care of people in the intensive care unit, and we were really focused on extending life and and, uh, saving people and uh, this guy got up in front of us and he said 100% of your patients are going to die and it sounds like such a silly thing you know but it really hit us you know we, you know, all this work we're doing and all this training we're doing and 100% of us are going to die unless Jesus comes first and so you can't pick the circumstances you can't pick anything about that you just know it's going to happen and so I encourage everybody to really talk to their family because a lot of times people are incapacitated and things happen that they don't want to happen. Um, and people get dementia and they can't speak for themselves. And so at this stage in, in my life, I'm talking to my kids, I'm talking to my wife, and I'm saying, hey, this is, this is how I want to end things. And hopefully you can have a good end. But... You know, speaking to your family, communicating with it, and that can lead into conversations that uh, are really helpful for their walk with with God. And when you get to that point, if you can't make decisions for yourself, hopefully you have someone designated that can make those decisions. And so instead of this chaotic, crazy family thing, it becomes one person fulfilling your wishes. 
And so communication with all your relatives is really important. Mm. Thanks, Bryce. Yeah, I, uh, I've already uh, made some of those decisions. And, but yeah, I did it with, uh, with my, both my daughter and my son and their spouses. They've helped me in, in those decisions. You know, uh, for me, um, it's DNR. Um, but not everyone goes there. But I'm 88 years old, so, you know, I, I'm not going to be around forever, but I've been here a lot longer than expected. And, um, you know, I, in 1997, I, I was in the hospital four times with my heart and uh, was told I needed to retire, and I didn't want to. But the, the doctor told me, if you, if you continue to work, you'll live a year. But if you retire, you, you probably live another uh, three to five years. Well, I've lived a lot longer than that. Uh, Dr. Cleary has helped me in with some things. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I think communicating with family is very important uh, and allowing them to help you with some decisions. Uh, Ron and Vicky helped me with a, a really difficult decision. Um, my wife had Alzheimer's, and they they just told me, you, "Here's a decision, Dad. You live with one or the other of us because you can't do it by yourself anymore." Um, and so there are times when I, I think family really has to be a part of that process as we grow older. And, but like. You said we do need to make those decisions, and we need to include family in that. Dad, you were, um, I want to drill down on something. Um, earlier you were talking about, and I know this to be true, that's why I want to mention it, that um, so you've got, you know, you've given up all these freedoms at this point, and the struggle of giving up some of your independence, which is super hard, and then at this stage in your life, still knowing that God has a place for you and a part for you and he's got a purpose that's right and good and you're talking a little bit about the power of prayer yes. and how what that can do for um, you know where you're sitting yeah you know I'm not able to do a, a number of things in the church like I used to but um, I um, I, do, I do a lot of praying and, um, um, you know, when uh, the kids went to Hume Lake, uh, Gary gave me a list of, of young people for me to pray for. And so we, we need to be praying. Uh, some of us who are older, we're not able to do a lot of things, but uh, you can certainly spend time with the Lord in prayer and thinking of other people. It shouldn't just be about praying for oh, my aches and my pains. <laughs> uh, and I do that some, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do need to be thinking of the needs of this church. Uh, you know, every day I pray for the staff and for people in my um, Wednesday night group. And uh, we need to 
be thinking about others and and I think God expects us to to do a lot of praying. I had a great example. Uh, my grandfather taught me well in that respect, and my my mom and dad too. But I, mm. my grandfather it just it really impressed me at a very early age, mm. and um, so I, you know, I can't um, do a lot of things, but I I can sit in my chair and pray and ask God to help others in their their particular needs. Thanks. Thanks. No, go ahead. Um, Just about every person that is ending, whether they're ending well or not, has people that are taking care of them. Mm. Um, And if you are someone who's close to that person, do what you can for them. Be somebody that watches over the caregiver because we're really good at not taking care of ourselves. Mm. And I have a dear friend who I happen to live with who it's her job to tell me to drink water and eat food. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's got to be somebody that looks out for the person that's helping the person end well. Um, because they are so focused on that person they just forget about themselves. And so be be cautious, but be bold. Um, be uh, uh, bossy if you have to. <laughs> be the person that is allowed to be that, though. Um, because, like for Jack, I've had to... He's, he's having to do a lot of paperwork for his dad and still get up to see his dad, which right now is kind of tough, but... I've had to tell him, you know, slow down, do one thing at a time. It doesn't have to get done as quickly as you think. And just remind him of, you know, the obvious. Caregivers need somebody to take care of them, whether they like it or not. Yeah. That would be my, my one word of advice. I think that's a great word. Uh, thanks, Mel. Um, I'm also thinking about, like... We don't, as a church, often think as younger people, we don't think, hey, how can I inspire someone who's in their 80s or 90s to be faithful to Jesus? Because they're often the ones that are, you know, like Don, who is pouring into the life of other people, right? We all see that in your example, Don, but um, sometimes it doesn't go the opposite direction. Like for us to have a commitment to people who are in that stage of life to see how do we love them and care for them and inspire them to be finishing well with Jesus. If there was one thing like um, for you guys, one nugget you could give us about, hey, how do I help people run really well to the very end? Um, what would that look like? Like how could I have that conversation? Maybe it's just asking, maybe, but maybe it's something else. Um, I had a privilege recently of being with some uh, family member who died, and uh, uh, I was with him when he accepted Christ at the very end of his life, and we prayed together about that. And for me, I think a lot of people show up, and they don't know what to say, and uh, I think the best thing you can say is, uh, can I pray with you? Um, And uh, just be really cognizant of people at different stages in their spiritual life. 
you know, hopefully people find Jesus before their deathbed, but there are a lot of people that do on their deathbed. And uh, mm-hmm. if you can show up to someone who's dying and just ask them if you can pray with them, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important step. Mm-hmm. You know, thoughts? Um, be willing to listen without without thinking you need to say any deep words or to encourage them or tell them something to do. <laughs> Just say, you know, I'm here to listen. And, and as Dr. Cleary said, pray with them. Pray for them. If they don't feel like praying, to say, can I, can I pray with, can I pray for you right now? Mm. You don't have to pray. Um, but just be willing to be there and listen. Yeah, I love that because sometimes that season is the loneliest season of life, right? And they just need care like that. Um, we're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, we could go on for a while. I want to invite you to have conversation with these guys. Um, on a deeper level, just about asking the question of each other, like, how do we live out the call of God in our lives to not just for us individually to run well to the end, but to help each other in the race? We have no idea. Um, God has numbered our days, every one of us. He might have a much shorter ramp than he's given dad for you. But for each of us, we want to end that well. So the question is, you know, how do we, how do, we do that? At the end of it all, I would love to be loving Jesus and living like Jesus. Yeah. Like that's, that's why we have that mission statement here, right? That's our passion. At the end of the days, hopefully people would look at us and say, man, there's a woman, there's a man who has loved Jesus and lived like Jesus to the end. Um, that I would have a settled confidence in the sovereignty and the love of Jesus I think that's what was happening in uh, Simeon and Ammon's life at the end. They had confidence in the Lord God that he was going to be faithful to his promises at the very end, and they had confidence in his sovereignty. And, um, yeah, I think that there is power in this that have a daily reminder that our lives are part of a greater story, that my life is not about me. It's not about me. It's about how I can encourage people around me and my family members, other people in the family of God, encourage them, and God can use me in ways that I would have never seen. And finally, um, just to have this prayer inside of me, a faithful prayer for one more life-giving conversation. I have a friend. He's now with Jesus. His name is Sam. And um, my friend Sam, he was another guy like dad was mentioning Ken, who would always have, uh, he'd always take the opportunity to share Jesus with another person, and he'd always have a track, you know, and he, I uh, got a phone call about 10.30 one night um, at home, and Sam had had cancer for a long season, and he was close to going to be with Jesus, and so his, his family calls me, and I go racing over to the house, and there's, I go into the house, and there's about 30 people all around Sam, and um, they're all family members, you know, it's an extended family that has all, are all walking with Jesus. And I said, why don't we just start sharing stories about how we've seen Sam be faithful to Jesus? And for the next, like, hour, we were doing that as Sam is 
preparing to go to be with Jesus, and we started singing hymns. And I left, and um, the family was singing, when we, all, um, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. They were singing that as Sam went to be with Jesus. That's how I want to end, right? I want to end faithful. I want to end, um, yeah, with a story to tell, to be faithful, to love Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to make him known to the end of days. And I can't do that without you. You can't do it without us. We together have to partner in that. And that's what, in part, this next new year is about, us living that out faithfully and well with each other. Can I pray? So loving Lord, um, yeah, I thank you for the good word today and the encouragement to live like you. Thank you for these friends who would share their time and their life with us. And thank you, Father, that you have counted all of our days. And we just want to be faithful. Um, We want to walk with you. And we want to be people of influence for your kingdom. And to be at the very end, hear from you, wow, well done, my good and faithful servant. And to know that when you say that, we were only faithful because you gave us the courage and the ability to do that. And because we had a bunch of brothers and sisters who were walking alongside with us to help do that. We love you and we give honor to you and we thank you for our life and this new year. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage with us. And if you're able, we'd love to see you at church next Sunday. Thanks again for listening.